Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. Well, on today's program, we're going to take a few minutes to reflect on 9-11 20 years ago, as this year we observed the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Most of us can remember where we were on that fateful day in September. With clear blue skies, terror came out of the skies and hit the Twin Towers in New York. Also, of course, Washington, D.C. at the Pentagon, and then the plane that went down in Pennsylvania. I remember that day very clearly as I was doing some courier work. I was spending time in my vehicle, and it was a job I was doing to uh, kind of support the family at the time. My wife was in nursing school, and we were in between ministry. And I remember listening to the radio and the interruption of the announcement of what had happened as it was happening in real time. And maybe it was because it was radio, and you could imagine in your mind exactly what was happening. It was very um, obviously a very poignant moment in our nation's history. It was a very fearful time, not knowing exactly how many planes had terrorists on them and what what was next. But it ushered in the, of course, war on terror. Most of us, of course, remember the terrible loss of life that day in the Twin Towers, how helpless we felt as those people that were trapped on the upper levels of the Twin Towers could not be evacuated. We remember the firemen and service personnel and police and first uh, responders who ran into the towers when everyone else was running out. We saw courage that day, and freedom was on display of those who would fight for liberty. Those were the first acts in a war that would be the war on terror. Many of us, of course, saw our family members go off to war, both in the Middle East and in Afghanistan, and praying for their safety to return home. Some of us were given flags instead of our loved ones coming back. And for those gold star families who made the ultimate sacrifice with their loved one falling on the, the, the battlefields in the Middle East and in Afghanistan, we, our prayers are with you. And we remember, we remember this weekend, as again we observe, that terrible loss of life on that day. And, of course, as President Bush said at the time, that we would act as a nation in response to those who attacked us on that day. Well, it's been 20 years, and of course, we just saw the terrible withdrawal from Afghanistan. Closing on a chapter, but it's not really closed. It actually is a time of grief as we see the, the terrible loss of life of the Taliban, the the terrorist organizations that take over a nation in which we have been uh, a guest for 20 years and trying to help the Afghan people to uh, have their own nation, to have their own uh, form of government. And unfortunately, it's a region of the world that uh, there are those who do not want a stable Afghanistan. We think about the border nations around Afghanistan, of Pakistan and Iran, They actually uh, benefit from an unstable Afghanistan. As one analyst put it, uh, Pakistan would not tolerate a stable Afghanistan that was friendly to India, their chief rival. So lots of stakes are at play as we saw the U.S. troops leave, but in a time of chaos because of lack of leadership, proper leadership in Washington and the misjudgment of the Biden administration, we did see a terrible loss of life as U.S. troops finally withdrew and closed a chapter of their time and service in Afghanistan. We pray for all the service personnel that have served us over the years, and we pray for them and their families and want them to know that a grateful nation is thankful to them. They accomplished their mission. It's the politicians in Washington, once again, that let us down. Well, as a people, we need to go forward. We need to pray. We need What we need in this country is a return to God. On those days in 9-11, 20 years ago, the churches filled up for a short time. People began seeking God, but not long after, the churches began to empty once again. What we need in this country right now is an awakening. 
not just a revival, but a, an awakening of God we, in each heart that people would turn and repent of their sins and turn on to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is waiting for a people that will humble themselves and pray, and that's what we ask you to do this weekend as we reflect upon 9-11, the sacrifices that were made, the children that lost their parents that day, they are now adults, and as a nation, that we not sit in bewilderment of what we might do, but let us turn to the Lord and seek Him in this hour. He's the one that has the answers. Man never has the answers. Well, next Friday, we're going to celebrate 30 years of serving the people of faith in Ohio at the Ohio Christian Alliance at our annual Freedom Banquet at the Akron Fairlawn Hilton. You can register for this event at our website at ohioca.org, and just at the top, you can find out all the information. Bill Fetter of the American Minute, who's my guest today, who will come on in just a minute, uh, he's going to be our keynote speaker. Also, Melanie Miller, former Miss Ohio, will be leading us in patriotic songs. Bob Burney of WRFD Salem in Columbus will be our uh, uh, MC for the day, and he'll actually be doing his daily program live from the hotel at the Hilton in Akron, and then right up into the time of our 6 o'clock reception, 7 o'clock dinner, and we'll have some political guests as well. Max Miller, who served in the Trump White House, as uh, a Northeast Ohio resident, and uh, he has some stories to tell as he led the advanced teams for the president as he went to North, North Korea, Iraq, and Israel. And this young man has quite a story to tell as serving as a senior advisor to President Trump. All those guests will be with us next Friday. You don't want to miss it. The Ohio Christian Alliance celebrating 30 years of public service at the Akron Fairlawn Hilton for our annual Freedom Banquet. And again, you can register for it at ohioca.org. Well, with me on the phone is our good friend Bill Fetter of the American Minute. And, of course, Bill is a, a uh, historian and an author of many books. And, uh, of course, uh, we're going to talk here about the terrorist threat that continues. And, of course, Christians have been at the receiving end of many of these terrorist acts because they are... Uh, based in Islam, radical Islam, and so that's not going away, and unfortunately we're going to continue to deal with it. And here with us on the phone to talk more about it is Bill Fetter. Bill, welcome. Chris, great to be with you. Well, thank you, Bill. Well, in your American Minute today, you talk about uh, terrorism. Tell us a little bit about uh, what you wrote in American Minute today. Well, it is a overview of the West arming the Islamists. And goes back even to when Sultan Mehmet II was laying siege to Constantinople. Uh, there were Venetian uh, arms dealers that were selling cannons to the Turks to be used against the Christian defenders of Constantinople. And then you go to 1525, where the king of France decided that he would help arm and train the Ottoman Turkish Muslims against Spain, right? France's enemy was Spain, and so, and then you have the the English making treaties with the Persians uh, against the Ottomans from the other side, and then we get up to uh, the Crimea War, 1853, and the French and the English are arming and modernizing and giving arms to the uh, the Turkish Muslims to fight Russia during their Crimean War. Now, that had an impact in America. You think Crimea had an impact? Yeah, because the Russians lost, and the Russians thought that the French and the English might take their colony called Alaska. And so they quickly sold Alaska to America to keep it from going into the British hands. And uh, But then you come up to 1898, and you have Kaiser Wilhelm of Germany. He's industrializing and with steel and with rifles and cannons, but he needs oil. And so he does an arms deal with Sultan Abdul Hamid II of Turkey, saying, I'll give you advanced German weaponry and rifles in exchange for access to the Ottoman oil that was being discovered in Baghdad and Kirkuk. And then the British, they have no oil fields. And Winston Churchill changed the British Navy from coal to oil, but there's no oil in Britain. So they made the Anglo-Iranian Oil Company, 
in, two, in 1908. 1908. And you know the Anglo-Iranian Oil Company. It changed its name in 1954 to BP, British Petroleum. Oh, my. <laughs> and so half half the World War One was fought in the Middle East between the Turks on one side and the Persians on the other side, and with arms given to them by the Germans and the English. Right? So here we have Western powers having a tradition of arming terrorist groups. And um, uh, then we come up to after World War One, the Middle East is the map is divided up, and of course Israel is created, and new countries called Jordan and Iraq and Syria and Lebanon gets their independence, and Egypt, uh, Turkey rallies, and they get a leader named Ataturk who wants to have a secular, modern Turkish republic, and he gets rid of the. Fezes and the Burkas and the Arabic language, and he's the one that first one to teach women, have women in school, and uh, so th- there's a movement of wanting to modernize. You have Gamal Nasser in Egypt, and he's wanting to get away from all the fundamentalist Muslim stuff, and he's dressing dressing in Western clothes. And you look at pictures of Cairo in the 1960s, and they look like Southern California and the Beach Boys and swimming suits, and and then you have Syria. They want to get away from the fundamentalists. They have beauty pageants. You even look at pictures of Kabul, Afghanistan, and there's all these girls dressed in their skirts and their sweaters. And yeah, I saw their those, I saw those pictures. Yeah, that's right. And um, uh, and then we have the uh, World War II. And afterwards, and, and Hitler armed the Muslims. Uh, the Mufti of Jerusalem uh, gets armed by Hitler, and he recruits an Arab legion, and these are fierce fighters that were even there in Berlin surrounding Hitler's bunker when the war ended there. And the Mufti of Jerusalem raised an entire Bosnian Muslim panzer division to fight with the Nazis. And so here you have, again, the Nazis working together with these fundamentalist Muslims, arming them, giving them the latest equipment and so forth. Uh, After World War II, Iran is independent, but now it's it's going to side with the Soviet Union, and it nationalizes the oil industry, or BP, and takes it away from Britain. So Britain has an oil shortage, and they appeal to Eisenhower for help. And Eisenhower approves the first CIA operation to overthrow a country's leader's operation, Ajax. So our CIA, the, the CIA operative on the ground is Kermit Roosevelt Jr., and he goes to Tehran, and he organizes radical groups. Uh, and they stage protests and riots, and they attack mosques. And when the country gets panicky enough, they blame Mossadegh, the leader, for all the problems. Well, they go in and put him under house arrest, lock him away for the rest of his life where he dies, and they replace him with the Shah, who loved America, because we put him in, and he did have a rightful claim to the throne. And so here we have uh, us being involved in arming uh, radical terrorist groups over there, And then we get up to the Soviet-Afghan War in 1979. And we have, by the way, Jimmy Carter abandoned the Shah. So the Shah of Iran was friends with Eisenhower, with Truman, with, you know, John F. Kennedy, Lyndon Johnson. I mean, all the way up until Jimmy Carter and Jimmy Carter abandoned the Shaw, withdrew the American support overnight. And people are jumping on airplanes trying to get out of Tehran. And the Ayatollah takes over. And so lo and behold, we left hostages. And they were kept hostage for 444 days until Ronald Reagan came in. And Ronald Reagan pressures them to release the hostages. Uh, but it was this immediate shift from a pro Iran was more pro American than Israel, and it just overnight shifted with Jimmy Carter and his national security advisors, Zbigniew Brzezinski, and his John D. Rockefeller, you know uh, David Rockefeller, um, his Council on Foreign Relations. Lo and behold, the globalists have a plan where they want to surrender the entire Middle East to make it a caliphate, an Islamic bloc, and isolate Israel, and. Uh, so then we see the uh, Iran-Iraq War from 1980 to 1988. Millions die. And Reagan certainly doesn't want Iran to win. 
And so he supports and backs and arms Saddam Hussein. And for all practical purposes, Saddam Hussein was more of a secular Muslim. Um, But here was America arming Saddam Hussein against Iran and the Ayatollah. And when the Iran-Iraq war starts to wind down, we have the Iran-Contra. What's that? That's where we get back to arming, selling arms to Iran, and then using the money to buy arms to fight the communists who are wanting to take over Latin America. And then we have the Soviet-Afghan war. And the United States, has the CIA, does the largest covert operation in history of arming the Taliban with the most modern weapons and missiles that can shoot down airplanes. And it was, it was so, so significant that a movie was made of it called Charlie Wilson's War, because it was Congressman Charlie Wilson that pushed us to get involved. And Tom Hanks and Julia Roberts did a movie called Charlie Wilson's War. Matter of fact, Steve, uh, um, Sylvester Stallone did a movie about it. It's called Rambo 3 where the CIA is arming the Taliban. And uh, it was the most expensive movie made to that date, 1988, Rambo 3. And um, so then you have uh, the uh, situation where uh, there's Bill Clinton as president. And he uh, is having a sexual scandal with Monica Lewinsky and we get into a, a Bosnian-Serbian war. Sort of interesting, a movie was released with Dustin Hoffman called Wag the Dog. And it's about a president running for re-election who's having a sexual scandal. And he hires a movie producer that says, we, we need you to get into a war. And Dustin Hoffman's the producer, and he like has pictures, and he you know, has war things. And he, you know, but this war is, takes place in Albania. Nobody knows where Albania is. Just so happens Albania borders Bosnia. And, uh, and this war takes the public's attention away from the sexual scandal. Uh, it's an interesting movie. But uh, so Bill Clinton, which is called Operation Deliberate Force, he has U.S. arms go to Islamic terrorists and to Iran to be funneled to the Bosnian Muslims in uh, Serbia to, uh, to fight the, the Serbian Christians. And uh, and then we have Obama, and uh, Obama uh, goes to Egypt. He disinvites Mubarak, our moderate uh, ally in Egypt, and he helps start promoting the Muslim Brotherhood. And then we have Benghazi. So Hillary Clinton's the Secretary of State, and turns out that we were sending arms to Benghazi covertly. And some of them, some Stinger missiles, which are shoulder-fired missiles, had found their way to Afghanistan and were used to shoot down an American plane, a C-130. And one of the missiles didn't explode, and they saw it, and they saw the serial numbers on it. And the serial numbers directly go back to the inventory that Hillary Clinton had that she was funneling to Benghazi. And so it's almost like she wanted Benghazi to happen to get rid of anybody that could have the dirt on what she did. Who knows? But um, nevertheless, uh, Fox News, all these different you know generals, Rand Paul, were saying, we were funneling weapons. It was a CIA operation through Benghazi to funnel weapons to Syria to get rid of Assad, who was a moderate Muslim. Assad was so moderate that um, he fundamentalist Muslims don't even consider him Muslim. And, um, and he was protecting all the different groups, even the the different minority groups, which makes no sense that he would want to gas some of them. And, um, but anyway, um, when the, uh, when the U S arms, there's even a Los Angeles times article. I took a screenshot of it. It says Syrian rebel terrorists armed by the CIA fight Syrian rebel terrorists armed by the Pentagon. (laughs) It's like, okay, we're like sending guns over there. And it, it was so obvious that Tulsi Gabbard in 2016 introduces a bill, Stop Arming Terrorist Bill. And, uh, and of course, John McGain 
goes, well, we can funnel money to this, this good group. They're, they're good terrorists. And it's like, um, then uh, we see, and this is the same time that we have Eric Holder funneling guns to terrorist drug gangs in Mexico, the Fast and Furious. He's, had, he's in contempt of Congress because he refused to answer Congress's questions on our U.S. government giving guns to these terrorist drug gangs. Yes. And, um, and then we have uh, the uh, Trump gets in. And Trump puts all of this on hold. And there's even a Times news article with the headlines, Trump ends Obama convert covert plan to, you know, arm these, these rebel groups um, there in, the, in Syria. And so now we begin to get to some normalcy. And we're beginning to establish peace. And then Trump was planning this withdrawal. And then Biden uh, has uh, this sudden withdrawal of troops and the giving of $85 billion worth of weapons to the Taliban. And they go from controlling a teeny little area in the northeast part of Afghanistan to controlling all of Afghanistan. And it defies logic that America, with the most advanced military, the most advanced intelligence could be caught by surprise, and that the the Taliban special forces, they're nicknamed Badra 313 because it was Mohammed's battle at Badra that he, with a small group, uh, defeated a thousand Meccans, and um, that these this Taliban special forces were trained by our CIA, and they're allowed to come in and take over, and it it Rand Paul back when Hillary was having her situation with Benghazi, he said this is either incompetence or it's intentional, but it appears there was a CIA arms deal going on, and so we have to face it: either this is a, an immense amount of incompetence on the behalf of, of Biden, or it was an intentional return to the Obama Biden era policies of arming Islamists and isolating Israel. And you have to remember, Obama and Biden had staff who were, think, people like Valerie Jarrett, Anita Dunn, Susan Rice. Well, guess who's involved in the Biden administration? A lot of those same names. Yes. So basically, it could be that the party that Obama had a couple of weeks is unprecedented that a past president would stay involved in politics in Washington, D.C., with the people that were in his administration and then having an influence in the Biden administration, uh, it could be that this, what we witnessed was simply a return to the Obama-era foreign policies of supporting Islamists and isolating Israel, and it's just blamed on Biden's incompetence. And if, if it ever sticks on Biden, they can just do what they did with Andrew Cuomo, right? He was their champion pushing their agenda, and then when they began doing polling, thinking, a Cuomo, a Democrat against a Republican, the Republican would win. They go, well, we need to just that, get rid of him, replace that, him with a girl. Well, that's right, Bill. And we've run out of time, and we're looking forward to having you with us next Friday, my friend. Great thoughts. If you missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. And again, it's time to pray for America because we are in a world of challenge and hurt right now. We need to really pray. Thanks for listening, and uh, stay tuned. We're going to hear... Uh, from Matt Staver, Liberty Council, on religious exemptions of vaccines. Don't go away. We'll be right back after these messages. The Ohio Christian Alliance is celebrating 30 years of public service, representing Christian interests before the Ohio legislature and in Washington, D.C., with policy that defends life, faith, and religious freedom in the public square. This year's Freedom Banquet will be held on Constitution Day, Friday, September 17th, with special guest Bill Federer of the American Minute. Former Mrs. Ohio Melody Miller will be leading patriotic songs and other special guests. Go to ohioca.org. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe, on D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission 
President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue The following is a previously aired broadcast. Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We're going to be talking about a very important issue today. We're going to be talking about vaccine mandates and religious exemptions. And many of you are facing this, unfortunately, at your employment. And we've gotten calls and emails and messages into the offices of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Of course, we we defend and support standing for individual conscience and religious liberty. We have for the last 30 years, and we're going to continue to do so, and the battlefront for religious liberty is raging now. And unfortunately, it's over the vaccine issue, the vaccine COVID-19 vaccine issue. Now, again, many of us were thankful that the vaccine was available for those who wanted it, obviously, during the pandemic, and uh, people would be making choices, whether they, those were health choices, religious or conscience choices, whether to take the vaccine or not. Those who wanted the vaccine, of course, it was readily available. Well, we've come to an issue now where many employers and government is pushing for mandates of the vaccine. This is causing a lot of consternation and problems for a lot of people, including our military personnel, our emergency frontline workers, those who work in our hospitals, our RNs, our nurses' aides, physicians, uh, physicians' assistants, all are faced now with termination of employment if they don't get the COVID-19 vaccine. Well, one of our good friends who's on the battlefront for religious liberty is Matt Staver. He's the chairman of Liberty Council, and they've been around for a while, and they've been working to defend the church's right and religious liberty across our country. And right now, their phone lines are blowing up there at Liberty Council, and they're helping people literally at no cost because it's a ministry, and we want to encourage you to make contributions to Liberty Council right now, because their staff attorneys are helping people across the country. And with me on the phone is the chairman of Liberty Council, Matt Staver. Matt, welcome to the program. Thank you. Very good to be with you. Well, Matt, we want to thank you. I saw the 26-minute video that you put out. In fact, today's podcast is going to have that embedded in it. And those uh, listening by way of radio, you can go to our website. We'll have the link of the 26-minute video that Matt has put out. And I want to thank you for the kindness and, and encouragement that you gave. In fact, it just really touched my wife and I. As she's been 22 years in RN at a local hospital, and unfortunately, her employer is requiring the vaccine and very limited exemptions are being provided. We saw the one for health exemption, and it puts all liability back on the individual. Now, again, these are the same people that worked frontline in the COVID-19 pandemic last year. Now they're being shown the door if they do not take the vaccine. And again, for various reasons, personal reasons, health reasons, or religious conscience reasons. So, Matt, what's happening at Liberty Council? You're getting calls all across the country. We are, uh, Chris, and, you know, the fact is we've never experienced anything like this since Liberty Council was founded in 1989. There is nothing that compares to this. We thought the church litigation was very intense because we worked early hours of the morning through the nights on weekends through holidays, but it's not anything like this because this is even much more massive 
this is really a national emergency, and the stories that we're receiving are emotionally draining. You know, for example, let's start off with healthcare workers as an example. In Maine, for example, we just filed suit. We're getting ready to go to an injunction hearing. The governor there in Maine said all private and public health care workers need to get the COVID shot by a certain date with no exemptions, no religious exemptions whatsoever. She essentially thinks that federal law, Title VII, and for those in the public sector, the First Amendment, does not apply in Maine. But that's the kind of thing that we're seeing across the country. These health care workers, she called them correctly superheroes, and that's exactly what they are. And all of these health care workers... They went to these hospitals day in and day out when a lot of people around the country and their community were on lockdowns. They went to work every single day. Uh, they went to work when there was very few cars on the road, and they went into the actual places where people were being brought with COVID. They treated people with COVID. They held their hands. They saw them go through the process. They then came home. They didn't know what they were bringing home, whether they would bring home some disease that would either they would succumb to or their families would succumb to, and they worked every day because they are superheroes. They worked through that all the way through December of 2020 when the first COVID shot came on the market, then right after that, Moderna, then earlier this year, Johnson & Johnson. These shots have been on the market since December, nine months from the first one, December. COVID's been on uh, out there. They've gone to work during COVID, they've gone to work when the shots were available. They've gone to work during the Delta uh, variant and any other variants that actually preceded it. And now, all of a sudden, what's changed? Nothing. We still have COVID. We still have Delta. The shots have been available for months. What's changed? There's a mandate that's come down from somebody, whether it's in, in your case, your, your wife's employer or wherever it may be, that all of a sudden... Now you healthcare workers, some of which actually have received COVID, they've come through it. And by the way, the study out of Israel just shows that your immunity to getting COVID is 13 times greater than anything that any kind of artificial shot can give you. So, you know, there is no reason for somebody to get a shot that's had COVID. But they are willing to go back into that environment. They've been doing it for months. The shots have been available for months. The Delta variant has been out there for months. And now all of a sudden they're being told, these superheroes, that if you don't get the shot, you'll be terminated. To understand the magnitude of this, at one hospital, we represent employees, and that hospital employs 23,000 people. 19,000 people, 80-plus percent, do not want the shot. Oh, wow. Another hospital, we represent employees, 14,000 people. 66% of them do not want the shot. We're talking about massive amounts of individuals. And we're seeing numbers like that across the country, whether it's in healthcare, whether it's in the airline industry, whether it's pilots, flight attendants, you name it, in other sectors. And you have this insanity out there. For example, we represent someone who works for a Fortune 100 company and other employees, and she is classified as a permanent remote employee. She never goes into the office. She never visits clients. Everything she does is by telephone and virtual meetings. She's being told, get the shot or be terminated. Now, what sense does that make? We get calls from someone, just a man recently called, and he was weeping on the phone because his employer said, you need to get the shot. He does not want to get the shot. They will terminate him. He'll lose his health insurance, and his wife has MS. We have someone who was on dialysis, just got removed from dialysis because he refused to get the shot. Somebody who's on kidney transplant got removed from kidney transplant list because he refuses to get the shot. We have health care workers like your, like your wife just last week, for example, in Maine, uh, got terminated because uh, this nurse gave a religious exemption request, was called in, and was terminated. She went immediately to another healthcare facility and said, um, I'd like to be able to work here. They said, we'd love to have you. We need you. But unfortunately, the governor says we can't give a religious exemption. And that's the case that we're in litigation with. We have people in the military. We have, uh, we have many, many people like this. But one that was really compelling said that he enlisted right after 9-11, like many of his comrades and colleagues, fellow soldiers, because they wanted to fight for the country. They didn't have their youth stolen. They voluntarily gave it away. 
They've missed birthdays and Christmases. They've missed Thanksgivings. They've missed the first words, the first walk of their kids. They were, they've missed all these different events with their family. Why? Because they love this country and they fight for it. They are heroes like healthcare workers, and now they're being looked at as traitors, unpatriotic. And they are now even this week being called before the JAG uh, attorneys in court hearings to be dishonorably discharged if they refuse to get the shot. And my, if we so go back, you know, at the at the anthrax shots under George W. Bush, what happened there? They got the anthrax shots, and we get emails from people who are still on disability from those experimental shots. As absolutely. Well. And my son, who served in the 82nd Airborne, and many of his fellow uh, uh, service members that he's still in contact with, they're facing the same scenario, and they are leaving the military, and they're going to be dishonorably discharged just a year or two from their 20-year retirement. And uh, they said, we cannot take that shot. We will not take that shot. Matt, this is happening in real time. My wife's hospital is looking at 45% of the employees in just a matter of weeks will be walking out or will be terminated if they don't take the vaccine, and they're not. In fact, when they started passing it around, only one person crossed over to take the vaccine. Now, again, why? Folks, you need to listen. You'll say, well, they can get unemployment. No, they can't. If they're terminated for this reason, they cannot get unemployment. Last year, we gave unemployment to everyone. In fact, the unemployment fraud numbers in Ohio alone are astronomical. That means foreign entities and other people that shouldn't have been getting the unemployment benefit when the government was pushing money out the door all got benefits. These frontline workers won't get the unemployment benefit. They'll be without an unemployment, without a job. And folks better wake up as to what's going on here, Matt, because it's their problem today. It's your problem tomorrow. You go into that hospital that's already currently understaffed and doesn't have the personnel to help you, it now becomes your problem. You know, the general public really should be in an outrage. We're about to write a letter to Governor DeWine, and you know, and I've written him several letters uh, over the last year with all this going on. The governor's been good on some things. He's been bad on other things. This is one of those in which the governor is just, I don't understand it, Matt. He's almost like mindless when it comes to this thing, and he's not giving any relief or an exemption for these frontline workers. And I, I think they're trying to call bluff and say, oh, they'll go ahead and get the vaccine. Wait until they find out how determined these individuals are. And again, if it's your health, look, it might even be your life. Let's not forget, 24,000 people, according to the CDC VAERS website, have died because of the vaccine. Over yeah. 500,000 anomalies. That means uh, complications with the vaccines. It, but I don't even need those statistics, Matt. All I have to do is pull people that I know in my own family who have had serious complications with the vaccine. We're not saying uh, don't take the vaccine, but we're saying it comes with high risks and with serious side effects. And for those who aren't taking it, for instance, with blood clots, uh, people who have blood clot issues, they're not going to be taking the vaccine because it is notoriously uh, problematic for that. So these are real issues in real time, and we need to really have an adult conversation. I want to say to our listeners, you know, we often say, let's appeal to government. Well, government cannot help you at this time. We need to turn to ourselves, to our God, and to our own advice and counsel on our religious liberty issues. And, Matt, that's why what you're doing right now is helping so many people. Chris, what you're saying, I just want to reiterate that for those that are listening. What you just said, I said 80% of this one hospital, 66 at another, you said 45% at your wife's. Those are the real numbers. That is staggering. That's why this is a national emergency. Because if you just take 5% across the board of all healthcare workers and just wipe them out, just 5%, maybe even less than that, you'll have a health care crisis. We already have the problem of traveling nurses. They are traveling from hospital to hospital to hospital trying to fill in those gaps. You cannot afford this kind of massive layoff and termination. And you're exactly right. They're requiring these people, if you don't get the shot, we will consider that you, quote, voluntarily resigned. Why? Because they want to cheat them out of unemployment. And this is happening in the military and, and the adverse reactions. You don't even need to go to VAERS anymore, like you just said, because so many people are saying, I know someone in my family. I have an immediate friend that actually had the shot that died or that is, you know, in very serious situation as a result of this shot. Many of the healthcare workers, for a lot of different reasons, 
Yes, they've treated COVID patients, but you know what? They've also now started to treat many of these adverse reactions from the shots. One of my EMS uh, clients that we have just pulled a 24-hour shift. That's what these people do. That's what they do. Yes. When we're sleeping, they pull 24-hour shifts because that is their mission. And uh, she says one in five calls that her EMS unit is getting now, and it's been like this for a while, is adverse reactions from the shot itself. This is a national emergency. Your governor, your people need to speak up because this has to stop. No matter what your position is on the shots, no matter where you are, That's right. this is inhumane. This is wrong, and if we allow this to happen, it is a national emergency. And I can tell you what, there are incredible amount of, uh, of many people, tens and tens and tens of millions of people that will be not only put out on the street, but so many other things will happen to them. And then some people that are going to be forced, let me just give you an example. That one of the major, major airlines, uh, one of the employees uh, succumbed to the pressure, uh, had an anaphylactic shock and is no longer with us. He, he chose oh. his job and he lost his life. Sorry to hear that. What we're talking to, we're, we're working with over 15 major airlines, the biggest names that you can imagine. We're being told by pilots and other attendants that says that this is causing stress, the stress is causing distractions, the distractions are causing an increase in safety incidents. I'm not talking about from the shots itself. I'm talking about from the pressure to get the shots because they don't want them. And they, like healthcare workers, like our men and women in the military, they also work through the pandemic. So this is a national emergency. It's insane. It's got to stop. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe, on D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. The Ohio Christian Alliance is celebrating 30 years of public service, representing Christian interests before the Ohio legislature and in Washington, D.C., with policy that defends life, faith, and religious freedom in the public square. This year's Freedom Banquet will be held on Constitution Day, Friday, September 17th, with special guest Bill Federer of the American Minute. Former Mrs. Ohio Melody Miller will be leading patriotic songs and other special guests. Go to ohioca.org. Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue well, Matt, again, I want to thank you and Liberty Council and the fine work that you're doing. And I know that your staff is just uh, working really crazily to get people aid and help. But folks can go to the website, and let's direct them there. That's lc.org, just literally lc.org. That's Liberty Council. And then you want to go to the tab of uh, legal help and then scroll down to VAX exemption request forms. And then there's a long list of PDFs and informational video that Matt has put out that will walk you through the process. Also, because you can actually file this religious exemption yourself with your employer. And again, you know, I'm thinking, Matt, in some instances, and not one size fits all, and there might, and you've got a variety of things. You've got pastoral sample letters here. I've talked to clergy who are willing to sign attesting to the person's religious beliefs, but there are other people who are saying, I'm writing a very simple religious exemption form. For my employer to ask me for verification in and of itself is an insult to my faith. I have demonstrated my faith in the years that I've worked here. I'm only going to quote back to them chapter, uh, Title VII of the Employee Code. 
I know that there's a, a variety of examples that you have here on the website. Uh, kind of walk us through that process because yeah. I know that not every situation is the same. Yeah, we put those up there because some people are being asked to have those clergy forms. We tell them that they're not required. Frankly, they're illegal. But you could either provide one if you want to. You don't have to. If they become an issue, you know, Title Seven for people that are in the private and public sector and the First Amendment for people that are in the public sector in addition to Title Seven clearly says, look, it's not your clergy's belief that's an issue. It's not your your church's belief, your denomination, your synagogue. It's your belief. It's whether or not. the only There's only one question. Do you, as an individual, have a sincere belief? Is it sincere? If the answer to that is yes, then they have to engage in reasonable accommodation. Now, can they say, well, we can't accommodate you? Look at this. We've had months and months and months and months of accommodation, right, without these shots. Like the healthcare workers, they've gone to work. They've done the PPE. They've done other um, sanitization issues. They've worked through this process without the shots. So past is prologue. What they've done in the past, they can do now. There is no reason to mandate these shots. So it is going to be very, very difficult for an employer to say, I can't recognize your religious belief because it's an undue hardship. And it's un, it's unconstitutional and it's illegal under federal law, Title Seven, to say that they're going to debate with your theology. They can't do that. So we actually will be putting later up uh, today on that same website uh, some of the additional case law and language from Title Seven and even from the Supreme Court that really underscores that point because some people are being hassled and the employer is questioning their religious belief. Well, they can't do that. The employer nor government, nor your military commander is in the position to determine which belief is orthodox and acceptable and which is not. They have one question. Is it sincere? Are you just putting up a sham? Or is this what you really believe? If that's what you believe, fine. Then then the law tells me I have to engage in a reasonable accommodation. And obviously, that's what we've been doing for months. So let's just continue on and don't push these shots. Well, that's right. And many of you that are listening can actually find the very simple forms that you'll need to uh, provide your employer. In fact, your your employer should provide it uh, for you. So if you've heard an announcement of mandate, uh, mandating vaccine, we would encourage you to get the forms quickly to fill out. And so <clears throat> whether that's a religious exemption or whether it's a medical exemption, let's take a minute on the medical exemptions, Matt, We've seen like the one in case for my wife at the hospital there, these attorneys drew it up. It puts all liability back on her. For instance, it gives a scenario that uh, as an unvaccinated employee, if she was to walk into a room, of course, as a case manager, RN, she does. And in discussion with the uh, you know, uh, patient, if that patient ends up getting uh, COVID-19, uh, it, regardless of how they got it, the responsibility, the onus is back on her. What would you say to the employees that are looking at um, health exemptions? Yeah, I, well, first of all, if you have a health exemption, definitely do it. And if you have a health exemption and religious exemption, do both. But you know what's happening, Chris? Um, and I don't know where these ideas are coming from, but it must be some national thing that's happening because we're seeing this pop up where, okay, we'll give you this exemption, but you've got to sign this form. It's got eight or nine points on it. And some of these are okay. And many of them are just like you're saying. Oh, I can't accept that. So we have a standard piece of uh, language that we have said. You can sign what you can agree to. Those things that you can agree to, you can put an asterisk. And the asterisk, then you put down the information that we've given you. And basically it says, I understand that's your position. But by signing this, I'm not waiving any legal rights. And it goes on and on and on about that. So, you know, it's not like you're really agreeing to that because that's just nonsensical. It's illegal what these uh, employers are doing or these others that are doing those kinds of uh, gotcha kind of questions, you know. So we have a standard language for that. So if your wife or anyone else has that kind of information that they're being required to submit, sign off in addition to the religious exemption form or the medical exemption form, let us know uh, because we've, we've seen that happen and we have a response to that. Governor Abbott in Texas uh, signed an executive order of no vaccine mandates. Is that applicable to all uh, across the board uh, areas of employment, or how is that working out? Well, in fact, uh, Florida was the very first one, issued an executive order, and then a state statute, and then um, 
Texas as well, and then many, many other uh, states have done it. But most of these are applying to government can't require it, and then others have, like Florida and Texas, private companies can imply, apply it or require a vaccine mandate or a vaccine passport. But that's for patrons coming into a public place, like like going on a cruise ship in Florida or Texas or going into a restaurant or going into a public place. And they don't necessarily apply to employers with regards to employees. So there is uh, language in Title VII, some of the guidance that came out earlier this year. Number one, that says that you can provide an incentive, but you can't force it. There's some things in OSHA that say that if an employer or, say, a school forces it and somebody gets injured, the employer is going to be liable. Uh, But the bottom line is that Title VII and other state law in many cases allows you either to have a religious opt-out and in many states not only a religious opt-out some kind of conscience opt-out and in all states a medical opt-out very good matt thank you so much for taking time today and taking time out of your schedule to be with us here in ohio we appreciate it uh the number one employer in ohio is through our medical facilities of hospitals and medicine across the state. So this really applies to the number one industry in Ohio. We appreciate you taking time today. Thank you. Well, thank you. And again, you can go to lc.org, click on the Legal Help tab. If you're being forced or know somebody is, send them to lc.org, click on the Legal Help tab. And then for more information on these particular shots, you can go to lc.org forward slash vaccine, lc.org forward slash vaccine. Thank you, Matt. God bless you, my friend. Thank you. God bless. And our prayers are with you. And again, if when you visit that site, look for an opportunity to donate to Liberty Council for all the fine work that they're doing. Again, that's lc.org. And then go to the Legal Help tab and go to Vaccine Exemption. Share that with family and friends who are faced with this issue right now. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, President of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.